It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. The Monday show is coming up, but before we get into it, I just want to point you in the direction of a competition that we are running. We have got one copy of a wonderful piece of artwork by an illustrator called Matty. Uh, it's an illustration of Bruno Gamresh and Sandro Tonali celebrating in the victory over Aston Villa on the opening day of the season. It's an artwork that I've been a Castanet fan. You've probably seen on social media doing the rounds. I've popped the link to it in the description of this very podcast. Now, to get your hands on this, and there's going to be a lot of people after you, all you have to do is share this episode on social media. So tag Chronicle NUFC in the share, whether it's on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We'll see it, and we'll pick a winner at random later in the week. Head over to Matty's page. Again, the link is in the description to see his wonderful work. This is a piece of artwork that if you're in Newcastle United fan, you're going to want on the wall. Take part. Good luck. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Monday show here on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. And boy, have we got a bumper edition for you today. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by Aaron Stokes and Lenny team. Well, in fact, you might be able to hear the scene. Aaron is currently on the banks of the canal in Milan in a lovely little cafe, having a nice bottle of Coke as he does the Monday show with me. Uh, Aaron, 27 degrees, sun is shining. My deepest sympathy to you. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you're stuck there in the whole office and I'm here. I think, you know, I wish I could switch roles, but I can't, so we'll just have to make do. Well, I was going to say, if people thought you had won the prize draw, they'd be wrong, because I am here in our sister office in Hull, and I know exactly where you and all our listeners would rather be. Um, and we were speaking before uh, you flew out, after uh, after we had a meeting about what content we were going to produce this week with you being in Milan with Lee and Kieran. I texted you and said, the envy's setting in. The Milan envy's setting in. Hopefully, I'll be in Dortmund. Um, but I can guarantee one thing. If I get to go to Dortmund, I'll have to look out the Tino fur coat and we'll have our first snowstorm of the season and it will be absolutely freezing while you're about to go and eat your weight in ice cream. You know what it is? I have, I've, the only worry I've got about this trip is that I haven't packed enough sun cream. That's how bad it is. Um, apologies for the noise, by the way. As, as Andrew said, I am sat here... Um, canal side, so just cars and bikes and people talking, but hopefully you can all hear me okay. Um, you also might be able to hear a few chants in the background. I'm sat here in the Novelty Square um, when Newcastle United fans have been taught to congregate. We've already heard the Anthony Gordon song, we've already heard the Going to Milan song, so yeah, it's just starting to get warmed up here, I think. We're going to get on to the Champions League and EC Milan later in the show because it, it's a kind of a double edition. We're going to look back on Brentford. And then we're going to look ahead to the Champions League and we'll be joined 
by Football Italia's Apollo Hayes as well later in the show to get the insight into EC Milan. But let's begin then, Aaron, with the win against Brentford. Not pretty. Open 25 minutes, it was it was tough. In fact, the whole game was very tough. Brentford had a very impressive side. But they had to weather the storm, and I guess the fact that they did, you take positives from that, and just doesn't really matter about the performance. You just take the fact that they won. That was the main thing going into Tuesday night against AC Milan. Yeah, look, it's given them a little bit of a spring in their step. Um, as you said, the win wasn't pretty. You know, it, it's not going to do them a load of favours, but they needed to get back to win away after those three defeats. Um, and look, they, they won ugly, which the best teams need to do. Um, and hopefully they can carry it on. But it's going to be a completely different task when they're out there. Yeah, 100%. And I think what a lot of people are looking at are the changes that Newcastle United made, or Eddie Howe made five changes for the game against Brentford. And my, my question to you, Aaron, was it A, because it wasn't working previously before the break? Was it B, enforced through injuries, Joe Linton, Sandra Snarley? Uh, or was it done with Tuesday in mind? Or is it answer D, a bit of all above? Um, look, I think I think it's a mix of a lot of things. Um, I think we definitely saw some game management and team management from Eddie Howe the other day. Um, you know, Sandro Tonali and Alexander Izak being rested wasn't a coincidence. I think Tonali, especially having just came back from that injury. Um, but we're also going to see, you know, a change in formation. You know, sorry, not change in formation, change in tactic and, and the change in the team sheet as well. Anyhow, he's got to try different things as he did without the ball. Sorry, by the way, about this noise. Um, it, it's just, it's all going on. It's fine. You're on location in Milan. I'm sure our listeners and viewers will forgive the noise. It gives them a sense of what's going on. And if we do manage to hear some chants later in the show from the lucky Newcastle fans already enjoying the sunshine in Milan, I'm sure our listeners won't begrudge that. I mean, the changes were key. A lot of people called for Sean Longstaff to be reinstated. And I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Sean Longstaff on Tuesday. Because for me, he came in against Brentford, maybe uh, a game or so late, I think. But he came in, he showed up that Newcastle United side, allowed Bruno to be a little bit freer. I think he, he went under the radar, he did the dirty work that maybe Bruno's not that capable of doing. Does he start on Tuesday? I mean, surely he has to after the performance he put in against Brentford, doesn't he? Yeah, if, if I'm completely honest, I think I think the team sheet sort of writes itself and I think Longstaff slots in. I think you're going to see Tonali back in in place of Anderson. Um, and as you mentioned, Longstaff just does what he does. He flies under the radar, he shows up back in the field. Um, fantastic track and fantastic game awareness. And I think we saw that against Brentford um, on Saturday. He didn't do anything flashy, but he, he sorted that team out and gave them sort of a bit of stability that they needed. I think he starts on, on Tuesday. And Barnes came in for Miguel Almiron. He impressed not as much as Anthony Gordon did on the right. But again, do you think, looking ahead to the team sheet at the San Siro, were these changes made with a plan in mind from anyhow that Miguel Miron comes back in, Anthony Gordon is reinstated to the left, Gnarly comes back in, Longstaff keeps his place? Or do you think that even if that is the case, the way these players performed against Brentford, the way Barnes performed, it maybe isn't a case as a straight swap. It is maybe isn't a case of just following that plan that anyhow already had conceived in his mind. The thing with Anthony Gordon is he's so versatile. You know, he offers something that, you know, not really anybody else can in that team. He can play down the left, he can play down the right, he can play through the middle, he can sort of play a little bit deeper. Um, 
So, look, him being moved out on the right, we asked Eddie Howe about it after the game, and he said that he's always known that that's the case. And I, I sort of wrote about it afterwards. I think we're looking at now, rather than Harvey Barnes sort of battling it out on the left, but Miggy's now got to really look over his shoulder and up his game on the right as well. Because I thought Gorn did well, you know, tireless off the ball, um, very, very confident on it. I think he starts, but if I'm honest, I think he starts on the left. I think we'll see Barnes drop back to the bench, and I think we'll see Miggy come back in, and I think we'll see Isaac come back in because I think, um, I think that's the team he goes for. I think it fits itself, and I think, as I've mentioned, Longstaff comes in and it's the usual back five. You know, people in the comments and, and people listening might disagree, but you know, there's obviously calls for Gordon on the right, Barnes on the left, Anderson to, to keep this place, but I just think it's a huge game. It's different to Brentford at home. It's a, it's a different animal entirely. It certainly is, but I think anyone that drops out, you know, even Anderson dropping out, would feel hard done by because I thought he had a, a good game against Brentford. Didn't look out of place for for the player that he was replacing in Joe Linton. He, you know, he had a, he had a decent enough game. Um, the, the key moments on Saturday against Brentford. Let's just run through them because as we mentioned at the start of the show, it wasn't an easy twenty five minutes for Newcastle at the start of the game. You know, Brentford showed exactly why they're now an established side in the Premier League. I think they're absolutely brilliant to watch. I mean, Thomas Frank winds me up no end, but as a team, on and off the pitch, I absolutely love Brentford. I think they're great. And they really did test Newcastle. Um, I mean, the first moment that we really have to talk about is is the Nick Pope save very early on from Aaron Hickey. That's a big moment because if that goes in, I think you could sense all the way through until Newcastle got the goal, there was a little bit of nervousness in the crowd. They were really trying to, you know, push the players. And you heard that, but at times it was deafening silence. And I think if that goal gone in, it could have ended very badly for Newcastle. It could have been 2-3 maybe. What a big moment that was from Nick Pope. Yeah, absolutely huge. And, and the first 25 minutes, as you mentioned, Newcastle really didn't cut open like we haven't usually seen them. I mean, arguably, say, you know, this season they have looked a little bit more shaky at the back than they did last term. But I think ultimately, you know, they've been very, very steady. But Brentford were on top. You know, Newcastle really struggled to get in the game. Pope was off that save. I thought he looked a lot more assured coming off his line as well, coming out to clear the danger over the top, which he did a couple of times in the first half. Um, but it wasn't until about the half hour mark that we saw Newcastle really start to get a foothold on the game. Yeah, and like you say, I think probably a big moment for Pope as well because of what had gone on previously against Brighton. You, know, you wouldn't want to concede an early goal. Really good to get his hands and or to get his body on, the, on, on behind that ball and, and make a good save would have boosted his confidence. Um, and then you've got uh, a moment at the end of the first half. Bruno looks like he was going to score. And it's a, it's a fantastic save from Flecken. I mean, he doesn't really know much about it. I don't think Bruno could have done anything else other than what he did. And that's just because he heads it down as well. He does everything right with the header. It's a fantastic save. And it, it, I think if you look at it from a bigger point of view, the bigger picture, you, you, you maybe get a kind of sense of Newcastle's test of character because that doesn't go in. And maybe they're thinking, oh, this isn't going to be our afternoon because then they go into the, the interval. And obviously, Eddie Howe has done his team talk at half time. And uh, they've not dwelled on that great save from the Brentford keeper. Yeah, I mean, just, just quickly going back to the Nick Pope point, I, I mean, I did see a certain fan channel or fan publication last week saying that it was time to bring Martin Dubravka back into the fold, which, I mean, we all knew was nonsense. But I think Pope obviously, you know, sort of sent a little message to them maybe on Saturday. Um, on the Bruno chance, yeah, I completely agree. Not much more he could have done. That was, that was the point when Newcastle really started to turn the screw. 
you thought they were maybe going to, you know, get a goal back just before half-time. Um, and as you say, you know, luckily they sort of kept that up. But, you know, let's not kid ourselves. It wasn't a vintage performance. They, they sort of stuttered over the line. I thought Brentford were actually quite poor after the first hour. Just on your point about Thomas Frank, by the way, um, I just found, you know, took great pleasure from Newcastle beating Brentford without Alexander Rizak in the team after his comments about his transfer spend um, last summer. That was the sort of my favourite moment of what's happening. Yeah, I mean, we'll get on to what he said in the press conference after the game. Poor ball boys took the brunt of his anger. Uh, second half then, we have Wilson uh, tapping home and he's then deemed to have fouled the goalkeeper. Now, I know this is a very controversial take. I know a lot of Newcastle fans think it was the, the daftest decision in the world, but I do have to say, and if you've watched the YouTube video I did yesterday, you'll know exactly what I'm about to say. By the letter of the law, it's rightly ruled out. Do I agree with the decision? No. But Callum Wilson has his hand on the keeper. It's a, it, I, I look at your expression for those uh, listening. Aaron is nearly falling off his chair in disbelief. But I do think by the letter of the Lord has to be ruled out. I don't agree with the decision. The keeper's soft. Callum Wilson's trying to win the ball. But unfortunately, you know, he does put his hand on him. Sorry, Johnny has just made a, a, a very good point here in the comments. Aside from that save, he's talking about Fleck and the Brentman goalkeeper here. Their keeper was dodgy, slapping it across under no pressure. Tell me how on earth in the letter of the law that, should, that shouldn't have stood. He doesn't touch him. He does. He's got his hand on his arm. No, come on, Muzz. Come no, I, on. I, I'm saying I, I'm not saying I agree. The rule's stupid, but that that appears to be the rule that the, the Premier League and the, the referees are going by. You know that the slightest of contact on a goalkeeper. The, this I think this is a bigger issue here. Goalkeepers have too much protection. That's that's the issue. This yeah, is... they, 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 yeah, they completely do. And, and funnily enough, during the game. Um, the mayor of Manchester, fully enough, Andy Burnham, big Everton fan, he actually tweeted that exact statement. Referees have got far too much, you know, cover on them. And they have. Flecken absolutely flattered it. Doesn't get anywhere near it. And, and he's penalised. If that has if that had counted against Newcastle United and they hadn't won and they dropped points because of that, it would be an absolute outrage. And it's too late to be saying, well, oh, well they're going to get an, an apology from Howard Webb. I mean... I don't need to tell you, you know, you're the most anti-VAR, or anti-referee person going, you know, every week you're doing another video about VAR and what's going wrong and what, you know, what they need to change. It was the exact same on Saturday. I love the concept of it. It's the people running it just seem totally inept at it. Uh, I mean, VAR again involved in the actual penalty that won Newcastle United the game. Again, I don't know how we're going to feel about my point on this. I think we're going to, we're going to fall out again. It's a penalty. I think he's very clever, though. I think he's very, very clever. He engineers that penalty. Doesn't change the fact it's a penalty. But I think what I like about it the most is that I think most players give up on that ball. I don't think most players are chasing that down. He sees A, an opportunity to get the ball, and then B, he's very quick to realise that the keeper hits me here. It's a penalty. It's very good for Anthony Gordon. Me and you will never fall out. We might have slight disagreements about refereeing, but we'll never fall out. I completely agree. I think it was, I think it was soft. If I'm completely honest, I think the referee thought I've just maybe, you know, allowed a perfectly good goal to be disallowed after being overruled. Do so I maybe need to give this one? I think it was soft. The ball's not really going anywhere. It's going out of play. 
Golden is very, very clever using that leg in there, getting his body in between the ball. But but this is what impressed me most about him on Saturday. Not what he did with the ball, what he did without it. Tireless. You know, everyone's been talking the last couple of weeks, is he fit enough to play 90 minutes? How keeps taking him off? You know, as Ebo said in the comments here, he knows how to play the game. And he was really, really impressive for me without the ball when he was pressing from the front. Wilson was dropping back, and whenever the goalkeeper had it, and as Johnny and a couple of other mentioned, he was shaky. Gordon was there, chasing him down, and Eddie Howe was stood on the touchline every time, clapping him on, and, and, and you know, really appreciating the work he was doing. So, um, Gordon, for me, it's going to sound stupid because obviously he had a really good game against Liverpool, but that, for me, was one of Gordon's best performances. He didn't do too much with the ball, but he's proven, he's proven with each passing week really crucial to this team, I think. And I think we're, we're starting to look at, you know, I can't see where he drops out the team in this current form, whether it's on the left or on the right. No, I agree. And we don't often big ourselves up on this podcast, but I'm going to. We were right. Me and you were right. Because we said in the summer, Anthony Gordon, full pre-season and Daddy Howe, he's going to be absolutely electric. And long may it continue. Look, it's still very early on in the season. Big test tomorrow against East Milan, but he is looking every bit of the player. Steve Nixon, Dan Ashworth, anyhow thought he can become at Newcastle. And yeah, I think it's summed up by probably the last bit of play uh, in the game when he, he's over on the left, him and Wilson are trying to keep the ball in the corner and he takes on the defender and he just beats him for pace. And it's like, there's literally, I think even the fourth minute of stoppage time, whatever, and he's still got the legs about him and, you know, but he's not just running aimlessly. He's got a plan about it. And yeah, look, he's fit. He's got the ability to pick a pass. You're right. I think one of the biggest worries about Anthony Gordon was, does he have the application to be in an Eddie Howe side? We said the same about Alan St. Maxman, you know. Unfortunately, Maxi didn't. Anthony Gordon, though, definitely does. And it is all about the way he's closing down from the front and pressing the defence, pressing the kick. Yeah. Happening on the right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it, it was quite funny that the, the timing of the game because before the match in the program, there was a big interview with Anthony Gordon um, by the club media and the, and the writer Tommy Studio, in which he talked a lot about you know joining the club. He struggled when he first joined after Everton, and then he talked about the you know the last time he played Brentford, the spot, you know, the big touchline antics, and and. He called it the worst mistake of his career. You know, that's big. You know, and I think that was maybe... You know, anyhow, I talked about sometimes when they get beat, it's actually a positive. And I think that's where Anthony Gordon, even though it was a really bad moment, it's turned out a positive because it's made him think, actually, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to be this sort of petulant where you know you need to work with the anyhow team. If you don't, you're out. We've seen that with some people that have left in recent months if they're not prepared to put the work in. And I just think Gordon is completely turned the corner. We've got Les here saying, I never wanted Gordon at Newcastle. Changed opinion when I heard him talk football. Now, so very glad to be proved wrong. And I think that is going to be the feeling for most who criticised Anthony Gordon. And it just underlines, you just got to trust the process at Newcastle United. Um, great penalty from Callum Wilson. Great to see him get his goal on the week that he extended stay at Newcastle as well. Great as well to see him really make the decision about who starts on Tuesday night. That little bit harder, Freddie Howe, because I do fully believe that he made changes with Tuesday in mind. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I, I think that's what's happened. But he can't drop Callum Wilson on Tuesday, can he? Sorry, mate, I've just lost you there, but I think I think I got the gist of your question. Um, 
I'm, I'm going to put a question to you now because I didn't hear yours and because I'm going to put it in the comments as well. Is there now an argument to say to keep Cizak out of the team? Yeah. Look, didn't even have to take a breath there. Didn't have to take a breath. He keeps he keeps Callum Wilson in the side. 100%. Oh, I think, I think Aaron's... We're having a bit of audio issues. Two seconds. I think Aaron's headphones are about to, to give up. Can you hear me, Aaron? No, Aaron's headphones have gone. This is the issue of doing um, a podcast live in Milan. Can you hear me? No, he's gone. Aaron's headphones have gone. Right, let me. Right, are you back? I'm back. I'm back. back. Sorry about right. that. That's all right. You're, it's right. You're on location in Milan. We'll forgive you for the te technological issues. My point was. He can't drop Callum Wilson. He can't. You ask me, can he? No, he can't. He so will. Just, he will. I think he will. Okay. Okay. But, it, but if you were anyhow tomorrow, Wilson starts with reason. Yeah. Without doubt. He's, a, he's scoring goals. He's, he's, he's the one who's putting the ball in the back of the net. But he will start Alexander Isak. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I think he will start Isak, which you know shows the depth they've got now. But Wilson, 14 goals in, in 17 games. Um, he, he's starting to really sort of. I think he's starting to turn the opinion. I think as to whether he starts over. He's like, I think if you'd asked people two months ago when the season started, who's the the out and out striker, it's Isaac. But now, I don't know. It's an interesting one. It's one that's going to probably keep many people awake. But I think anyhow, has probably already made his decision. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Um, just finally, before we welcome our guest in Apollo to get the kind of take on uh, EC Milan, just a word on that penalty that was given and then was overruled. Bar came out, it hits the head of Mbembo and then hits the hand. Again, a little bit of a daft rule, I think, but by the letter of the law, it has to be ruled out, right? By your letter of the law, then yes, you're right. But I think... It's 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 a it's an interesting one. I think you can look at it both ways. I think it's handball. On the other hand, I think you know you're probably looking at it as if he's very close. Doesn't know much about it. Even though he's away from his body. Um, but yeah, yeah, thankfully it didn't matter. So how important was it, Aaron, that Newcastle got the win ahead of Tuesday? What will that do for their confidence? Look, it was huge because. You know, media weren't saying this. You know, the Chronicle wasn't saying this. The media wasn't really saying this. But I think just a couple of fans, very much in the minority, starting to say, 
is the pressure starting to build on any hand, you know. It's the wonders for that because we're back to an amazing and rosy again. And also, more importantly, it's a huge boost um, going into Tuesday's game. They needed that confidence boost. They couldn't have gone into that with four defeats in the bounce uh, in the league. Look, the atmosphere was always going to be fantastic over here. First Champions League trip in 20 years. But I think now, you know, with that winner there about Saturday, we're just going to see that carry through um, to Milan today. Yeah, it's more relaxed, isn't it, I guess, when you've got that win. Um, Adam says, Wilson was class on Saturday, real leader's performance, but Isaac will start. Um, <laughs> Michael, Michael wants it all. He says, stuff Milan, play Isaac and Wilson, they'll both score against these. Well, let's find out about the mood with AC Milan as we welcome our special guest, Apollo Hayes from Football Italia. You might remember Apollo appeared on the Everything is Black and White podcast back when Newcastle signed Sandra Tonari, give the insight into Newcastle's uh, new midfielder. Apollo, thank you for coming back on the show. How are you keeping? Oh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, happy to happy to be back. Looking forward to the game tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. As you can see, uh, my colleague Aaron has drawn the incredibly short straw and is in location in Milan for tomorrow's game. Let's start with the big question then, because I think a lot of people will see the headlines of the weekend, Apollo, and see that EC Milan got thumped 5-1 in the San Siro by City Rivals into Milan. Um, doesn't really tell the full story, though, does it? Because they have won their previous three games of this campaign. So just explain to us what went on there. It, Losing me, Mike. Is that a blip in the just just a small blip in in the performance of the season, or something a bit bigger? Uh, well, it's quite a debate at the minute because the the loss on the weekend was their fifth derby loss in a row this year. So they lost twice in the Champions League semi-finals last season. They lost in the Super Cup match, the league, and then obviously the league game this weekend. Uh, so out of context, just seeing that result is easy to think, uh-oh, maybe major confidence drop. Maybe what's that going to mean for Newcastle? But I think almost it's it's in a vacuum. That that derby is something cursed, I think, for, for Stefano Pioli and his players at the minute. Uh, I think Inzaghi has really won that tactical duel. And so I'm not sure how, how relevant it'll be for the Champions League. But at the same time, you're not going to be feeling amazing after a 5-1 derby loss. So... There is definitely maybe a point to prove some of these players in the form of redemption that they can try and find tomorrow on Tuesday. Because it's fair to say, Paul, that they have started the season well. You know, if they'd won that game, mm. would they've gone top of the top of the table, perhaps? I mean, they have started the campaign in, in good spirits with what I say three three wins. Yeah, I mean, the first two wins against uh, Bologna and Torino were fairly rudimentary wins. I think it would be a major surprise if they lost to either. The win over Roma was good. It was a good sign. But at the same time, that was a really weakened Roma squad. They'd been dealing with a lot of injuries. Lukaku barely played because he just joined. Uh, so I do think that they're a, they're a strong team, but they're not at their strongest. And I think that the over-reliance on Giroud is becoming fairly apparent at this point. And it's he did play on the weekend. So kind of having him play every three or four days at 36, I'm, I'm not sure how well he'll be able to really show his best tomorrow night. Uh, Apollo, you the talk there about AC Milan not being at the best. I'm sure, you know, a massive reason for that is because of the loss of Sandro Tonali over the summer. A move that probably came out the blue for a lot of Milan fans who thought that he was, you know, probably going to spend the next 10 years there. You know, how big of a miss has he been to AC Milan uh, so far this season? 
I think a moderate miss. I think they've done well in the, the transfer window to kind of bolster that midfield a little bit. They brought in uh, a Dutchman from AZ Alkmaar, uh, Tajani Reiners, and he's been really good at the start of this season. He's he's shown some positive signs, I think. Loftus cheap, a little bit less standout. He's been he's done his job, so to speak, but he's not been as impressive. But yeah, there is clearly an issue in that in that midfield a little bit, and you can see that in the derby. Really, they kind of got sort of dragged down in that midfield and couldn't get out of it. But at the same time, they are also without Ishmael Benacer. So his injury and Tanali's sale leaves them in a, a weird position. Two of the three on who they should be, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how their midfield lines up tomorrow. Well, Apollo, what are AC Milan, do you think, expecting of Newcastle? Now, obviously, AC Milan did really well in the Champions League last season. Um, I suspect... The answer to, to my first question will kind of depend on that as well. I mean, they'll want to go as far as possible in the competition. And will they be expecting to to beat Newcastle? I'm just trying to work out who are favourites in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be feeling confident. Obviously, there is both the, the more historical aspect of Milan in the Champions League as well as last season's performance. Uh, and I think in general, Newcastle, the perception is still that the project is still in those early stages. So this should be, especially considering the other opponents in the group, this should be the winnable game, really. So I think the Milan tune will change before the second uh, leg of this match if they lose game one. I think this is, their, this is their time to really show what they can do. So I think they'll be feeling confident, but the pressure on this game, especially compared to having Borussia Dortmund and PSG in the group, it adds, adds a lot of pressure, I think, to every match, really. And, and Apollo, you mentioned earlier, Olivier Giroud is obviously now the, the, the focal point of that attack. I was I was talking with our chief sports writer before, Lee Ryder, who you know experienced football in, in Italy in the nineties, and you know when Serie A was at its pomp. And, and we're looking at this, you know, sort of new look AC Milan team with the likes of Giroud. You look at Rafael Lau, uh, fantastic player, Theo Hernandez. They're a good team, but do you feel like you know there's real superstars in that team or not? I think Liao is the superstar. I think he, he is the standout player. And the fact that they, they tied him down to a long contract was a huge win in the summer. Uh, but I'm you know, unsure if they'd have managed to do that before the, the Paolo Maldini situation. But having Liao there is, is there really their top player. I think uh, Teo Hernandez is also great. But there is does feel like a slight immaturity to his game still. There is definitely some moments where you expect him to do a little bit more than he does, or if he's not getting those attacking contributions right, then it's it's a little bit of a lacklustre performance. So I think for now, Liao is really the main focal point, for sure, of that Milan team. He's the real star. Yeah, Johnny has said in the comments, Milan favourites at home, and with prior Champions League experience, closer than we think, though, to James Park will be different. Graham says, I'd take a nil-nil, nil-nil. It's a solid start, and any way a point would be positive. It won't be easy. EC will want to bounce back after the weekend. I just want to get a bit of insight into how EC Milan will set up. Can you give our listeners um, a bit of insight into that tactically-wise, formation-wise? Um, will they have a lot of the ball, or will they invite Newcastle onto them? How are they going to approach this game? Uh, so I think Milan will probably line up in a in a four three three. They've been using that quite a lot, really, with a front three of Leal, Giroud in the middle, and then probably Pulisic on the right. Uh, it's a decent attack. It's very Leal focused still. I think Pulisic needs some time to really start getting that system and start knowing his teammates well enough that he can kind of play those passes without looking up. The midfield, I think, 
will be tough to, to say, really. I think it's... They really struggled in that derby, and I think that'll be where Pioli puts a lot of his focus. And then, yeah, the back line, a lot of it will be sort of Teo Hernandez focused on the left. So, really, that left side of the pitch will be where the magic happens, so to speak. And my Miami goal is, is always rock solid, really. Well, it's going to be lots of fascinating uh, battles on the pitch. Uh, just finally, Apollo, before we let you go, I want your score prediction. How is this one going to go? Yeah, I'm terrible at predictions, so I wouldn't put uh, too much weight into it, I suppose. But I could easily see a 2-1 either way. I think there'll be some goals for sure. I think both teams already want the game. And Milan mostly struggle against very counter-attacking style teams like we saw in the derby. And I don't think Newcastle will do that. I think they'll be more positive. So in that sense, I do think that uh, it will be pretty close, but someone will get the edge. There'll be a mistake in there somewhere, I'm sure. So I'd go 2-1. And I guess for the podcast, why not 2-1 Newcastle? There we go. We like that positive from Newcastle <laughs> point of view. Apollo, thank you very much. We'll catch up with you um, in the return leg. Um, but until then, uh, keep yourself well and we'll be in touch. Thank you very much for joining us on thank the podcast. Thank you very much for having me again. And enjoy the game, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Fascinating insight there, Aaron, from uh, uh, Apollo. Uh, interesting that he mentioned that, obviously, Milan will feel like this is the winnable game compared to the other two fixtures. But we know that when you cast are the underdogs, that's when they're at their best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're at their best when, when people write them off. And I think despite the, the results and the respective results on Saturday, I think Newcastle are going to go into this game as the you know the massive underdogs. Um, so very surprisingly, the bookmakers haven't cast United as you know arguably level with AC Milan for whether they'll qualify or not. Um, I think it's going to be very very tough. But as you say, Eddie Howe has got this mentality drilled into the team where there's no fear at all. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to sit back, as Apollo just mentioned. I think they're going to go and try and give AC Milan a game, um, which, you know, might go against them, but it's the only way how really knows how to play. Very, very interesting to see how it plays out, you know, it, it, for so many reasons. And I think, main, mainly, right, I was talking about this last night, you've got to think back to Wembley, that huge occasion, you know, do they have the players to do it? Do they have the players to deal with that atmosphere. The first time back in Europe in 20 years and they're in the San Siro for the first time, it, it's going to be massive, especially for players like Dan Byrne, Sean Longstaff and, and all that. And I can see you itching to try and jump in there and say something. I was just going to say, right, there's loads of people in the comments asking about selection, um, but also I can hear the chants in the background. And I'm sure for everyone listening, uh, the envy of Milan is growing ever more. Uh, can, 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 can you see them? How, are, they, are, are they in your eye line? Funnily enough, they're just around the corner for me, so I'm sat, I'm sat sort of on the main strip, yeah, just beside the canal, and down a little side street, there's a little bar that's been dedicated to any Newcastle United supporters, and I'm imagining, I haven't seen what they're like, because when we passed that bar this morning, there was six or seven of them getting set up, flags being draped over the windows, and I'm imagining when I walk around there in a couple of minutes when we finish, I'm going to see about 100 or so, given the noise that I can hear. And don't worry, guys, he's going to get his camera out and he's going to get it all on video and it'll be on our YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, every social media platform you can imagine. Aaron is all over it, so I'm looking forward to that one. Um, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm just going to dive into the comments quickly because I know you've got to get away. You've got the, the youth game as well uh, to cover. Um, Newcastle, the youth against AC Milan. There's a lot of questions, though, um, about whether we could see Lewis Hall start ahead of Dan Byrne. A lot of people saying that's what they'd like to see. I'm going to throw that one out straight away. That's not happening. I mean, yeah, look, I think people might like to see it, but it's not going to happen, is it? I mean, Lewis Hall hasn't even played a minute of football for Newcastle United. Eddie Howe, as of a couple of weeks ago, said he wasn't fit. I, I, I really think it would be quite harsh, if I say so, to throw an 18-year-old into his debut on the San Siro. Saying that, though, Lewis Hall's debut last year in the Premier League was against Newcastle, did very, very well. Um, really impressed against Manchester City in his first cup uh, appearance last season. Stranger things have happened, but if I was a betting man, I think it's I think it's Dan Byrne that'll uh, get them. Yeah, like I say, I, I agree 100%. It'd be very harsh for him to drop out. We've got Les saying Gordon definitely starts, uh, but Miggy Murphy or Barnes, she would like to see Miggy out on the left. Again, I can't see that one. I think it's just going to be Gordon and it's going to be uh, Miggy on the right. Yeah, look, I think I think for me that's the three goes with. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I've seen a couple of people this morning talking about maybe going with what he did against Brentford again. Um, Barnes on the left, going down the right. For me, I think I think Miggy was was rested Saturday. You know, he he, he shook off a, a minor little knock he picked up in international duty, just being rested. I think he comes straight back in. I think the work rate that he produces keeps him in the team. Um, interesting that Grant here in the comments saying same team, Tonali and Francis, which. If I'm honest, yeah, you could also see it's very, very good though. We talk about it all the time in this podcast and something that I've you know I've waxed lyrical about, but they've got so much depth now, you know, so many options in different positions. We've already talked about Wilson and Isaac. We've got four or five different options down the wing. The midfield is now starting to come together a little bit, even though Joe looks like he's gonna be out for a couple of weeks. Um so yeah, anyone's guess, but for me I think I think the team the team picks the same thing. Now Newcastle had the option to train at the San Siro tonight. It's what usually happens with the visiting sides. But anyhow, decided against it. Why do you think that was? I've got I've got two um, theories about it. One being, I think, what's the word? Maybe he's a little bit cautious of not wanting to give away too much. Maybe he's a little bit anxious that there's some Milan spies camped out in the San Siro, maybe just having a look at their training session. Another part of me, and, and probably the bit that I would back to be the right answer, is the fact that he doesn't want the, the the usual routine to be disrupted in any way. Even when they go and play down south at Brighton stuff, they usually train up here until the last day before going down. They did similar with Wembley. It doesn't like to break that usual routine. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing again. Uh, this again. It's a real shame, though, because I think I would have loved to see the players out training at some zero. I know they're probably going to get a... Um, they're going to get a chance to have a glimpse of it this afternoon when we go to the press conference in an hour. So, um, but it would have been nice to see them training there. I think. 
Yeah, it certainly would have been, but I guess, like you say, it, it removes the risk of anyone getting any of the secrets out. And uh, I guess they're not rushing around, flying in, and then having to rush around for, for training. Uh, before we finish on the usual trivia, because even though you're in Milan, you're still going to have to get embarrassed by failing every one of my questions. Um, what are you expecting from Eddie Howe's press conference? Uh, look, I think it'll be quite upbeat, especially because they won Saturday. You know, I think four defeats would have weighed quite heavily on his on his mood. But look, we know what Eddie Howe's like. It doesn't matter whether it's raining or sunny, whether win or losing, he's calm, cool, composed, collected, confident. You'll be going there, telling the players what he told us when the draw was made, and that is that they've got to go in there and have no fear. Um, he clearly thinks that this preparation that they're having, training at Benton and flying out this afternoon before the game, is the best course of action. He's going to be confident that they've done the right thing. Um, and I hope, because we asked him about this on Saturday, and I, I really wanted a, a good answer from Eddie Howe, because we asked him a lot, and we asked, how are you feeling about it? You know, come on, Eddie, give us something. How are you feeling? Are you proud? Are you excited? And the answer we got was, well, you know, I haven't really thought about it. So... I hope now we're speaking with him today, we're 24 hours out from kickoff. I hope he says, you know what, actually, I'm really proud. You know, bear in mind, we've got a fantastic article up on our website by Kieran Kelly, where he's spoke with two people that work with Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall when they were in the, you know, the doldrums of League One and League Two. It's a massive day for him, never mind, you know, the Dan Burns and the Longstaffs of the team. It's huge for Eddie Howe. So I hope, I hope that we get sort of a, you know, a human emotion out of Eddie rather than the usual, you know, playing everything down. But, you know, that's why he's so successful, because he keeps his feet firmly on the ground. He certainly does. And if Newcastle, and I don't want to bring the pot down, but let's be honest, East Milan are a good side. Chapman's experience. If Newcastle got embarrassed at the San Siro, I'm just thinking about the mindset of the owners and stuff, because this is where they want to be. It's come far uh, quicker than anyone expected. But what do you think they're thinking at this point? Do you think they accept that Newcastle in the Champions League, it's a bit of a bonus in terms of where the project actually should be. Um, on one hand, yes. I think they know that it's ahead of schedule. I don't think they were expecting for you know to be flying out to Milan this soon in the journey. Um, I think the, the minority ownership maybe will be feeling like that. For PIF, you know, winning is everything. If they get humiliated in all six games, then it, it you know... There's no disguising that. There's no defending that in their eyes. Um, but I think from we will see, you know, a, a bit of a bit of context, you know, measured response. If they get trashed tomorrow, which I don't think they will, I think we'll, you know, see a lot of fans coming out and saying, well, you know what, this is the stage of the journey they're in. They're overachieving, and and you know they're here ahead of schedule. Um, but ultimately, for the owners, I don't think they're expected to win the Champions League, but I think they're going to want a good showing uh, in front of the world. We've got John saying it's weird to know he's different class to Longstaff, but Bruno seems to play better when Longstaff's out there. Over to Eddie. Les saying if Newcastle go counter, I'd include Gordon and Barnes and Miggy as a super sub. Joe Lint not in the side. I mean, it makes that midfield dilemma a lot easier. But I mean, that's a big blow, isn't it? Player of the year last year, in my opinion. They're going to miss Joe Linton. Yeah, that's backroom run in the middle of the uh, field and. Um... And, yeah, it's going to be a big miss. He'd be a big miss for any game. Um, the decision easier for Eddie Howe, but, you know, they're going to miss him in the middle of the park. And just finally, before I get the trivia, what's it been like today? 
you know, you're there in Milan, Newcastle fans are about, we can hear them chanting. Um, what's it been like so far? Yeah, um, myself and Lee flew into um, Milan late last night from Manchester. We were a little bit delayed. Um, and funnily enough, um, it was a little bit like Wembley in the sense that we were in Manchester. Or sorry, we were, we were somewhere with Manchester United fans and we just saw a sea of black and white in that airport. You know, lots of fans who had travelled across with us. I was sat next to two Newcastle fans on the plane. We got here this morning, um, got up, had a look around, and um, the fans are now starting to grow. We're seeing more and more of them arriving, you know, from Heathrow and Gatwick and Manchester and whatnot. Um, the atmosphere is slowly building, as you can probably hear me behind, you know, we're starting to hear the first chance of the day. Myself and Lee are going to head over to San Siro now. We're going to speak to Eddie Howe. Um, but, yeah, it's starting to really feel absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and as we said, Darren and Lee are going to have plenty of video content for you guys to tune into on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Um, fans singing, fans chatting, Vox Pops. It's going to be absolutely brilliant, so stay tuned for that. Trivia. Callum Wilson signed his uh, extension to the contract. He then scored. He's on 82 uh, Premier League goals. Can you name the four Newcastle United players who are in the 100 club? Um, Obviously, four Man Newcastle United players. Yeah. um, We'll go with, obviously, Alan Shearer. Yeah. We'll go with Les Ferdinand. Yeah. We'll go with Andy Cole. Look at this. One more. And we'll go with... Oh, this is tricky. I was going to say that Milanese done you good, but it hasn't, has it? You're going to kick I'm, yourself. I feel like I'm doing better than usual. Am I going to kick myself? Go on, you're give You're going to kick yourself, and most people would like to kick him. Oh, Michael, oh, no, go. Yeah, Graham in the comments. Do you want a quick go at the numbers? No, no, thank you. <laughs> 149 Les Fernand, 150 Michael Owen, and 187 Andy Cole and Alan Shew on the Magic 2 6 oh, There we go. Well, ladies and gents, from me here in Dark and Depressing Hall, from Aaron in lovely sunny Milan, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. As I mentioned, hit our social channel so plenty more content to come from Aaron and Lee and Kieran in location in Italy, head over to our website, chroniclelive.co.uk. And before Aaron goes, in fact, if he wants to go now, we have a competition. I think Aaron is going to go before his battery gives in because he's got to get the sand here. So, ta-ta, Aaron, you guys watching and listening, don't go anywhere just yet because we have a competition that you guys are really want to get involved in. So, we have this to give away, this print of Bruno Gamresh and Sandro Tonali. Absolutely beautiful uh, bit of artwork there. You've probably seen it doing the rounds on social media. And we've got a copy to give away. Now, all you have to do is share this episode on social media. So that's Facebook um, or Twitter or Instagram and tag Chronicle NUFC um, and the Everything's Black and White podcast. When you share the episode, it's an illustration done by Matty723. And we'll pick the winner later this week. So that's what you've got to do to get involved. I'll give you the details again in the description of the podcast and in the description of this video, whether it be on YouTube or Facebook. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. And as I said, head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for the latest Newcastle United news, including press conference from Eddie Howe in Milan, coverage of the youth game between AC Milan and Newcastle United, and finally, live coverage of tomorrow's game. Newcastle back in the Champions League after 21 years. Thank you very much for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your Monday.